This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to the Kavnis HR Podcast. Our guest today is Sapna Mohatra. Sapna, are you ready to be great today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she brings more than two decades of domestic and international management consulting experience in sales and business operations in the technology, financial services, and telecommunications industries. She has significant experience in leading large-scale business and IT transformation programs to deliver consistent end-user experience in demanding and fast-paced environments. Sapna is known for constant industry curiosity and new emerging technologies that will enable different industries to be on the forefront of this digital digital revolution. She has a Can Innovate podcast that focuses on learning from innovators that are crushing in the industry. Plus, she has a career coaching business where she provides some tactical advice to get the results her clients deserve. She is a globally recognized certified management consultant and chartered professional accountant. She also holds a certificate in change management leadership, Lean Six Sigma accreditation, and DevOps and UX Design Foundation certifications, and is about to be blockchain business certified. So my question for you is, is there anything that you're not doing right now? Like, <laughs> you, you, you can be the whole business by yourself. Uh, well, you know, that's, but, you know, when you're in consulting, you kind of have to do everything from end to end and understand the full supply chain and every piece of it from sales marketing to be able to deliver results. So, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they say business expert, you can truly say I am the business expert. <laughs> Actually, when you read my bio, I actually got really, I started to blush and get a little embarrassed, actually. Uh, I might might need to consolidate that somehow. (laughs) No, I mean, you're doing great things and you need to let people know about that. So how do you like go about organizing your week? Do you you start Mondays to say, I'm doing this percent on this, this percent on this? You just play by ear? How does that go for you? Actually, I plan almost about two, three weeks in advance um, of what are the key activities and work packages I'm hoping to deliver and what are my commitments? So I can actually see what free time I actually have. But I always like to plan and do due diligence because honestly, as much as I would love to kind of just be more, you know, spontaneous, it's hard to be spontaneous when you don't know what parameters you can operate within. So yeah, yeah I do tend to plan, but two, three weeks ahead of time. So you you have the podcast going on. And you're also CEO of Digi, DigiRuptor. And you yeah. found a CEO of the Women's Digital Network Group. How do you find the time to do those three, I won't say probably, you know, time-consuming roles? You know what? Because you, ju- you just do it. You know, you find the time. You find the, you prioritize, you make it happen, and you look at it. That's why I always focus on the end result. Like, what do I have to do in order to make it the experience that I wanted? And that's why I have to plan two, three weeks in advance, and sometimes months in advance, depending on if I'm doing an event, or, you know, it's a work package for a client, or doing those pieces. Because one, I never want to set expectations that, you know, you know, under-delivering, you know, over-promising, under-delivering is my biggest fear in life. And uh, my name is odd enough as it is. There's not a lot of Sapna Mohotras running around the world. So my credibility means the world to me. And so I do. I spend a lot of time planning and prepping to see how I can make it all happen. Because, you know, very time is very, you know, uh, short these days. <laughs> very. So these certifications you have, do you have to like get them updated once a year? How do you go about recertifying those things? Or, once, or you just take the test and you, and you just have it for the rest of your life? Oh, no, I always have to update with a PD, professional development credit, doing different things, which is great because my constant curiosity, I always want to learn new things anyways. So it's pretty easy to do it. So that's, yes, I always have to update and make sure I have all those hours banked in there. 
Now, you mentioned earlier that you do a lot of traveling. Is that mainly for business reasons? Oh, yes. I like to call myself a citizen of the world. <laughs> but I also, when I'm not traveling for business, I'm traveling for pleasure. There's just so much to experience. And I love the other cultures, the food, people's perceptions of things. You know, it's amazing how they see things very differently. And I love getting that feedback and seeing that. It just keeps me, I like to say it keeps me wise, but uh, it keeps me, you know, I like to do the risk mitigation maybe, and that's the better sense. But uh, yeah. It's fun. So for your coaching business, is that, do you only do that in Canada or is that a world of wire that you do coaching for people? I do. I have been doing a career coaching for uh, as long as I can remember in consulting. And I have, you know, so I started off my career at Accenture and then I went to Rogers and then Amdocs Consulting. I've been coaching people like formally and informally for over two decades. And Consulting has this really big model of really up or out. You know, you constantly need to reinvent and really reposition ourselves because the marketplace keeps changing and our clients need the most up-to-date information and so on. So all those things that we learn in consulting, I ended up giving a lot of people career coaching advice because they may have a nine to five job and they feel stuck and they don't know how to get promoted or they don't know, they realize they have other things that they want to try, but they're not sure how to transition into a new different industry or a new department altogether. So I spent the time to really kind of help them do this. And it's really fascinating to me because a lot of things that I think are common sense, and it's because of my consulting background of what they've kind of grew me in that environment, I realize now that it's not so easy for others to have that kind of DNA and that and the tactical and unbiased type of advice. You know, you go to your HR, they're going to say one thing. You go to your boss, they have a different plan, right? So it's really hard to get an objective type of view. So I like to play almost like a big sister role, you know, when they do these things. And the biggest reason why I'm spending a lot more time, and I love it. I absolutely love it when someone calls me and tells me, I can't believe I got promoted. I cannot believe I ended up not getting promoted, but I got three different job offers because I was made myself marketable. It is so amazing because I keep wondering about my nieces and nephew when they grow up, are they going to be able to get that objective advice from somebody, you know, and be able to help them figure out what are their skills that they love and help them figure out how to get use it and be passionate about the job that they're in. That's yeah. So it's it came by a surprise and I absolutely love it. Do you find that you have to change your approach to coaching people based on the culture or country that you're in? Absolutely. Very much so. And that's where me being a world traveler has really been beneficial to understand a little bit more about what are some of the things like, you know, in Asia, they're so polite and they will always say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. And and it's, so it's a very different dynamic where, you know, in North America, we're always trying to leverage your boss to get to the next thing and, and so on. It's very different, but on again, you know, the other part that I find really interesting when it comes to cultures is also the types of phrases in industry language that they have to operate within. So that is also another big, huge thing. Is there a time when you're dealing with somebody, you're coaching them and you think, you know what, this isn't going to work. They're not listening to me. They're not taking this seriously. And you just, you know, disqualify that person. Oh, yeah. And I actually refund their money because I'm like, honestly, I can't be six. I don't like spinning my wheels. As you can tell, I have all the things I like to do. I like to produce results. And so sometimes when it's not a good fit, I actually just say, look, you don't have the time and the effort to put into this. And so I actually refund all the cash. Next, can you talk about a uh, time you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success and where we can learn from this? Oh, gosh, there's, you know, your question made me think really big time because most of the time I feel like I fail every day. But uh, <laughs> the successful one was getting the podcast launched because I actually had to beat the imposter syndrome to get that out. I had just left 
my corporate job and become self-employed. And I've always driven projects, but I had that corporate shield behind me of doing things behind their banner. And this is me doing it all in my voice and finding my voice outside the corporate world without a job description and expectations. You know, there's no one's expectations, but my own that counts. So I really found that imposter syndrome was a big, huge thing that, you know, accomplishing and getting over that was huge for that. But yeah, that's a one huge one that's just recent. But another big one is about, I had to go to, to Chicago to lead a business transformation program. And it was in red for I guess almost months and months and months. And I was able to change it to green in like less than two weeks. And what it was, was what we could all learn from this. And this is where I learned the power of stakeholder management. I talked to all the different players out there to see what it is that they expected, what they needed to carve out quick wins in order for us to demonstrate that we can do these things and that they're being heard and everything else. So that one, I really learned how to really stakeholder manage beyond belief. So next, talk about time that you failed in the past, what you learned from this, what we can learn. Oh gosh, oh, this was a doozy of a question. I, I've been listening to other podcasts and they all get stumped too. Well, I actually do think I fail every day because I try something new every day and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But the biggest one is that I did not learn how to say no fast enough or saying that, you know, I let me get back to you on certain things. I actually love doing, I'm like, like, I'm an excitable puppy. So I love new things and I like to get my hands and I love helping people and trying to build new projects and troubleshooting things. But this does not help me because one of the problems I ended up having was that for 18 months, I ended up living in three countries, working 24 hours a day, or I was on an airplane between England and Chicago and Toronto. And it and it's all because I wasn't able to learn how to say, no, I got to put a pause on that because I got to focus on X, Y, and Z. And as I mentioned, I don't like to under deliver and over commit. So I actually drove myself insane for 18 months. Yes. So yes, biggest lesson learned. You can say no and you can say graciously and people actually appreciate it more being honest that because they will get the best quality from you. That's a hard lesson for people to learn sometimes being able to say no and it's very hard to do. Oh, it's so hard. But I've learned there's a couple of ways. And, you know, even before I say yes to things, I actually stop and pause and I'll say, let me get back to you so I could think about it more objectively. Because, you know, it's so easy to say yes and make people all happy. But then, you know, it's very difficult. But what people really love and respect the word I can't do it right now. Here's a better date that I can get back to you on it. And if that's still feasible time. And honestly, they appreciate that more than ever. So I wish I had learned that a lot earlier. And then uh, I read a quote one time. I can't remember who said it, but this person said that his goal in life is to fail less every day. (laughs) That's a great quote. That's a great quote. Can you tell us about somebody who's helped you out in the past and how they helped you? dad, he is always neutral. So whenever I come up with a crazy idea, something I want to try, he is perfectly balanced to play the devil's advocate and helping me think through the pros and the cons and what I'll be giving up or what are the opportunities and different things and really helps me think things through. He's been doing that. I mean, all my life, obviously he's my dad, but he really is because he's, I know I'm in a safe place with him and he does have my back no matter what I do. Uh, So it's easy to talk to him and really get that advice. So yes, he is a actually kind of my idol. (laughs) So earlier you were talking about business transformation. What's your definition of business transformation? Well, actually transforming the uh, business. Uh, so I've had a couple of clients say, you put in an IT system and yet I don't see anyone ever actually using it the way it was supposed to be intended to. I just spent millions of dollars putting in the system and I'm not getting any of the benefits. So business transformation has multiple different work streams because the business is very complicated along with IT by nature. So it's, it looks at the benefits, realization management about what how we're going to be able to get those benefits, the processes. We look at business readiness and deployment tactics, organizing 
organizational change management. We've got to communicate and manage stakeholders. It's so kind of like a hidden secret sauce. But every time a project fails, it's because that element was not there. That organizational change management was not there. Uh, So yes, that's... uh, yeah, transforming and you're really being able to have end user results. Why is it that so many people you ask them, are you ready for change? They'll say yes. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready to change? They'll say no. <laughs> Why is it such a disconnect? I don't I guess it depends on what they want to change. I think it's probably the what, you know, if someone, when someone gets married and gets uh, proposed to, they don't think twice about saying yes. But if they have a new project that they could be invited to, they pause for, what does that mean? And we overanalyze things. I think it depends on the situation of, and our readiness and ability to do it. Next, can you talk about something that most people don't know about you? Of course, you know, your family, friends know this, but people that see you day to day probably don't know this about you. Okay, here's two. One is about Monopoly. I love Monopoly. I must own about 40 different boards. And honestly, I really need to start to give them away because there's no space in my little condo for it. I love Monopoly. I've always been a fan of it. And in fact, I'm trying to teach my eight-year-old and my six-year-old nieces how to play Monopoly. However, I'm realizing eight and six-year-olds are very conniving. They form an alliance. They (laughs) somehow manipulate me into giving you know, properties that undervalue. So they're actually the smarter ones. I don't know how they've learned that at such a young age of how to do those tactics. But yes, yeah, so I, and in fact, I actually tried to apply years and years ago to be a part of the Monopoly Championship. So there used to be a world competition for Monopoly. And I actually, try, I don't know if they still have it or not. But yeah, it was always kind of something I always wanted to try. Since you do a lot of traveling, can you pass on any of your tra- traveling tips to our listeners? One, honestly, go early, you know, avoid all that other stress of running to the airport and everything else, but also get up frequently. As much as they say, stay in your seat, get out of your seat because, you know, the seats are not comfortable. It's not good for your posture. You've got to watch your back. Uh, Frequent travelers, I haven't met one that doesn't have uh, back pains, you know, so you got to really take the time to kind of stretch it out and and mingle with the, you know, the air hostess. Uh, they're, They're hilarious and they love the company. So yes, definitely. Sam, I understand you have a book to recommend for our listener. Yeah, you know, I had to really think about this. I actually think Dale Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence Them. And I think that book was written like 1920s. I cannot believe that this book has managed to still be relevant even in the day of social media. Like um, not to give a spoiler alert, it's basically six different principles. And the one that I actually thought was really fascinating is about, you know, Make your make people feel special, but be genuine about it. And if you look at now, whatever things happening with you know being authentic and being transparent, you can see that even more now with social media, it's still even more relevant. So that's a great book that I recommend to everybody. I understand you have something for our listeners today. Mm, I do. So normally I offer about 10 minutes of a mini kind of career coaching session to see where people are. So I, with your listeners, I'm happy to extend to 30 minutes and we can have a real one-on-one great banter and really figure out where you're trying to get to. And I can give you some quick tips and quick, easy things that you may not have seen or been aware of. Thank you. That's very valuable. So is there any, like when you do your coaching and consulting, is there any certain type of um, size organization or type of industry that you try to focus on or you, you take all, all comers? Well, the funnier part is I wanted to focus on the small, medium-sized businesses because I feel like they have the upper hand, especially with all the technology, because they can pivot faster than you know large companies can because they got all these legacy systems and you know all the politics and everything else to make happen. Where small, medium-sized businesses tend to be closer to the customer and can actually test things a lot more earlier. So lately, I've been spending a lot more time working with large companies because they want to learn the principles that I'm going to apply so they can be more agile, more nimble, and be able to get to it. So yeah, that's it's kind of really interesting. What I was targeting is not exactly what I'm working on these days. (laughs) 
Uh, next, can you share your social media link so people can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So mine is SAPNA, S-A-P-N-A, at caninnovate, C-A-N-I-N-N-O-V-A-T-E dot I-O. And you can also get me on LinkedIn at SAPNA Malhotra. I'll send um, all that stuff over to you so you can put it into the show notes. And I love talking to people. I, I, I love it. It's just one of my favorite things to do. Yes, to our listeners, we'll have the links to, her show, to her, all her social media links and her book recommendation in the show notes. So we're coming in with a talk. Can you provide any last minute awards or wisdom or advice on any topic you want to cover, Charles? You know, yes, big time. So honestly, yes, don't wait for HR or your boss to help you define a career path. Take control of your career. It is you. Like I have a personal philosophy that, you know, we got to look at ourselves that we are our own, not just our own brand, we are our own business. So we've got to actually chart our own career path. And so stay on top of industry trends, see what's kind of going up there and seeing what you would like to be able to experience and think three steps ahead. And honestly, get out there and talk to people there people are so willing to share stories and tips and tricks and networking is so key so that's a good follow-on question i try to tell people all the time it's very important you have a personal brand you know get out there on social media do a blog tweet do something what's your feeling what's your opinion on this you know what? I don't do it enough. I need to spend more time doing it. Absolutely. I mean, how do people know how great you are or what kind of opinion you have to offer if you're hidden in the corner? It's like waiting for Prince Charming to kind of step and knock on your door, right? You got to get out there and you got to put the feelers out there and do the temperature checks and see how people respond. And honestly, people do respond. So definitely get out there. You are your own brand. You are your own business. Sam, no, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you're a very busy person, got a lot of things going on, and I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. I really love your podcast. I'm a big, huge fan. I have listened to it way too many times. You've had some amazing trailblazers before me. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. That means a lot. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.